Welcome into another episode of We're Talking. Today, we're talking Raging Cajun basketball with longtime Cajun fan Mike Bear. How are you this morning, Mike? I'm doing okay. Uh, I just thought of going back and looking back uh, how the season went and um, pretty proud of the guys for the way they played all year long. Absolutely. You know, it, it's one of those things. Uh, I had some friends that text me and wonder why I wasn't responding to. There, there are several times throughout the years or whatever, when I watch a, a game, no matter what sport it is, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to in-game analysis. You know, I, I just want to watch the game and somewhat enjoy it and get frustrated when I want to get frustrated. I don't need someone else tell me to tell me that I need to be frustrated type of deal. And it's nothing against them because I do the same thing throughout the season. So it is what it is, but you know, um, I I just enjoy watching games sometimes by myself, so I can I can yell at my TV. So yeah, um, or if, when I'm watching a game, sometimes I prefer watching with our family who's talking about okay, what the grandkids are doing tomorrow. Yeah, I'm focus on one thing only, and that's the game. <laughs> Absolutely. See, so it's not it's not a it's not just me. So good. Let's jump right in, Mike. The first half of the game is really. Uh, it's frustrating, I think, watching the game on on both sides of the ball, uh, turnovers, and I know a lot of that with Tennessee was uh, their point guard was out. But at the same time, I thought both defenses were really good and extended, uh, exerted, not extended, exerted a lot of energy, which may have caused shots to come up shorts, more use of the arms shooting versus the legs. So what were your thoughts on the first half? Well, I think early in the game, in very few minutes, we were down something like seven to two, something like that. It was obvious their size of the volunteers was a factor, both on the boards and uh, causing some turnovers for us. However, we matched that okay, you know, where uh, our energy, I guess, provided enough physical, uh, enough opportunities to match their defense. You know, we actually had for forcing as many turnovers as, as they were forcing on us early in the game. Uh, we were 0 for 3 in the first few minutes on threes. Jordan did get some baskets inside. And I think you remember the first time out, we were actually ahead 11 to 10. Uh, we struggled from the outside for the entire first half. Vescovy hurt us with a three because it was really good defense by the Cajuns. It was a banked in three. How many times that happened to us this year? You know, where guy misses it so bad, he makes it. And then uh, when Jordan uh, had some success, the Vols sprinkled in some zone in there. That really hurt us. That may have been one of the – you think you're going to get some open shots from the threes, but their zone's effective. They're, they're so long. They have such long arms. They were able to get out to our shooters. And their length affected our passes as well. And uh, unfortunately, you know, when we had to sub um, Timus out from Michael Thomas, Mike's had some good games this year, but it's not one of his better games. He was really struggling with the Vols pressure. It just wasn't big enough to match him. But again, you know, we were doing a good job with our defensing, defensive rotation, forcing the Vials to have their turnovers. So we, we were sharp. Whoever uh, scouted, I think it was uh, Donovan Cates because we were playing SEC team and he came from the ACC that had a, had a good scouting report. Here, here's another factor to me was Jordan got his second foul with halfway through the second half and I had to spot play him in and out, offensive defense, then get in the rhythm. And after his first three baskets, he didn't get quite as many. He ended up with 12 and they got a half. But, you know, we went the whole half and went over six on threes. 
and Kobe had a couple that went in and out. Sometimes it takes Jalen a little while to get going for his, I guess what call it, get a lather going up. And I can't say the shots were bad. You know, they just weren't going in that day. Maybe it was a little too much energy. Um, and then I found this interesting too, because I mentioned we were up 11-10 in one of the timeouts, uh, maybe seven or eight minutes to go in the half, maybe close to the last media timeout. It's 19 to 19, you know, it's defensive all the way. We're still struggling to shoot, but the Vials made three straight mid-range shots, tough mid-range shots to go up six. And I thought to myself, okay, we're playing okay on defense because we're not, we're take, driving them off the line and I getting the three. We're doing a good job keeping them, getting the basket. So we're making them take tough twos. They're just making them, giving them good credit. And they ended up being 11 and a half. We're really uh, disappointing. Last play to half where one of their big guys got a dunk. Um, but I still did not think we were out of the game, just down 11. I said, well, we're going to make some shots in the second half. We're just going to, and it's going to be a game. Did you see it the same way? Yeah, I, I was, um, like like I said, sometimes uh, frustrated with what I saw with, uh, with, with the ball handling, but it was on both sides. And I think both teams with tenacious defense. But, you know, to me, it was the last uh, four minutes of the game. We're down by two at that point, and we don't score another basket. So 443 left in the half. The game's tied at 19. And I thought, uh, again, the the uh, the last play, play of the half, I thought, really hurt us in the sense of, you know, I think just optics-wise, if it's 29-19, uh, or 28-18, you've got it under a, a double digits. It, you're okay there. Uh, and, and his team has fought back the whole time. And to your point about scouting, I, I listened to Coach Marlin's, uh, I think, pregame, and, and this might have been on the TV broadcast, not on Jay's call, but talking about how each coach had two or three teams because they had the extended period off, each team had – uh, each coach had two, three, four teams that they were scouting. So I think it was a big advantage to us at that point, uh, having having the week off, which I thought might be a little rust, but it turned out okay. Yeah. Well, that last basket before the half, which made it 11 points, actually the, the initial defense was pretty good. We forced a tough shot. We just didn't get the big guy blocked out enough when he was able to dunk it back in. And it wasn't um, – Namway was the other guy who hurt us, the one who averaged like five, six points a game. We did a pretty good job on Namway, and he, he actually went off against Duke the following game, which is a point of how good a job our guys did coach uh, scouting. And you're right about the last basket really hurt us. There's something psychological with being down single figures versus double digits. Okay. So, but, you know, we go into the second half. Uh, T. Lou Lewis scores a couple of buskets, keeps us close. Then we end up having a problem and we played a little zone for a few minutes and it was two, three possessions in a row where, okay, we did a good job, but we couldn't get the rebound, a couple offensive rebounds. And that's actually, you know, one of the dangers of going zone because you can't figure out at which guy to box out specifically because you're not watching one guy, you're just watching space, which is one of the reasons I don't think coach Morton likes to play a lot of zone, but you also have to shift, you know, change things up, you know, and, um, I actually thought the decision was pretty good to go there. It just didn't work out. And, but did the well, Vials had less turnovers the second half themselves? I was just going to say, we've seen in the past, Mike, that the zone has uh, when he's done it. And we don't stay in it very long. We give them different looks at that point, and it has worked in the past. 
sometimes it just it, it's it's matchups and it's not going to work out. Yeah, it, it just can be with the way the ball bounces. And you know, when you're in a zone and you're going to get the rebound, the ball it just it doesn't bounce your way. It's just tougher to block out. And especially with those guys, they're so big. You know, give the Vals credit. You know, we're playing a team that we were playing a team that's in the Sweet 16. And you know, the league got up to 18. But then I said, eventually we're going to make a three. And Jalen made one on the top of the key. And I said, ha, here we go. And, you know, he and Kobe for the rest of the half where their uh, play was pretty outstanding. You know, not only were they making threes, both of them were making shots inside. You know, we cut an 18-point lead to five with uh, 13 straight points. Kobe had a bunch of those. And he showed some athletic ability and more burst than I've ever seen him have since he came back from his energy. Yeah injury now my wife thinks that it was a big factor in the game was when one of the Tennessee guys uh, had some blood and they had to stop the uh the game and it took quite a while to wipe it up now we played even from that point on but it may have blunted our momentum I I agree with you there and I thought the whole time uh when they were white I was looking at the, the whole time and I felt like it was their their guys and I'm, I'm not sure that their coach didn't say hey take your time wiping it up we need to slow this game down because it was not a two-minute timeout. It was like a five-minute timeout. Absolutely. Yeah, and so give credit to my wife there for uh, noticing <laughs> that. Uh, and I want to also say, you know, when you're making a run like that, you have to get some stops. We started to get some stops and not getting to have as many second shots. And Joe was in the game, as usual. Uh, I think his defense was part of that run, uh, even though he didn't score. And, you know, we just kept battling and battling. We got a three-point game with 23 seconds to go, and it just wasn't enough time. You know, what I was hoping for, we're down four with, you know, maybe 15 seconds. And Jalen got a decent look and said, here's our chance. Maybe they'll knock that three in and they'll get a foul. He may have gotten fouled, actually, I think, on the shot. It would have been three shots. But uh, the game ends about thoughts says, well, we got two four down in the first half. We just couldn't make any shots in the first half. Uh, Uh, I just want to say I go back to the 446 mark of, of the first half and and not even worried about that 18 point lead that they got out to. If we just if we if we just make one or two baskets in that last four and a half, almost five minutes, you know, I, I think it's a different game in that and they don't get that 18, uh that little run that got them up to 18. Yeah. Do you know why double technical was called? I never really got a good explanation on that. Uh, from what my understanding is, their player was mouthing off towards our bench, like, and and as you know, Coach Marlin doesn't like other players, the opposing players, talking to his bench or talking to him. Now, I thought, uh, I think I read in the uh, one of the articles from uh, Knoxville that said something like, uh, he told the guy, "You're better than that. You're better than that." And then the and then the the referee teed him up for for talking to the other player which I'm like, this is a big game. You can't do things like that. I mean, both both as uh, as a referee or as a player. I understand the passion. And it, honestly, when I was younger, it would have probably been me talking crap. So I, I get it, well, but you can't do it. With Coach Marlin's point, it's against the rules. You're not supposed to talk to the other team, bitch. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Or maybe it's in one of those unwritten rules. I thought it was a written rule. But, you know, uh, apparently there was a tech on one of the Tennessee assistants, and maybe if that tech is not called, and I don't think it was deserved if all Bob was telling the guys that you should, you're better than that. I don't think a tech's deserved. But maybe it's a different game than where we, we're shooting two free throws at that point, and that could help. Yeah. 
Yeah. And free throws ended up being a factor in the game. And uh, we want to go to a box score. You'll notice that. And I'm listening to what Mike Murphy said in the post-game interview with Jay. You know, uh, we just didn't get to the line enough. I don't know if Mike was being diplomatic and saying we should have got to the line more uh, compared to our opponent. Uh, they got to the line 21 times. We got there nine. And they outscored us by seven, and it was a three-point game. And, and let's, the box. I was just going to say, let's take away maybe five of their free throws that happened maybe in the last two minutes of the game. Uh, you know, if you just take away, uh, they shot 57%, you know, so if you take those away, maybe they, they missed that. Maybe you take away two baskets at the most three in that time period. It's, it's again, there, it's a different game. Or if we get to the line uh, a little bit more, we only four free throws in the second half. I, I got to believe there was more fouls than that. Yeah. Well, you know, we're five for nine. Two misses by Isaiah Richards, who's one of our weakest free throw shooters. And two misses by early in the half by Greg Williams Jr. And I think um, Greg didn't play that many minutes. He looked like he didn't get enough lift on his free throws. And um, sort of like the conference tournament championship game, Jalen played most of the minutes when Greg couldn't go. Um, I wonder if that injury was a factor. But I, other, think, you know, just- I think it had to be, Mike. I, I think it, he, he was adjusting his shot because of the foot. You know that uh people too many times and i've talked about it before whether it be baseball pitching or or, or shooting in basketball it has as, as much if not more to do about your legs than it does your arms and your shooting posture you know no doubt i was a softball pitcher believe it or not in, in that you still use your legs uh other observations from that i had from the uh box score that's the main one they got to the line a lot more than we did we had more baskets than they did one more basket so that's two points we had two more three-point baskets than they did which again shows a good job we did running them off the line so that's two more points so we actually outscored them you know by four but we got outscored by seven of the line then it's difference in three-point game in the individual stats you know also we you know um they are rebounders but only by six against a really physical team you know, and a much bigger team thir- too and and they had more turtles and our, our fans are and correctly so we're really we got to stop turning the ball over here but we actually forced more turnovers on that on them than they forced on us so um proud I, I of our guys to the effort they gave matching a really physical team with physical effort of our own yeah and i think what happened there mike i'm sorry to interrupt you it, is that the i i don't know uh i wish they broke it down or i should i need to start hitting uh screenshots but I, I don't know how many turnovers we had this in the second half but it couldn't have been many because we ended the game with four, 14 and i want to say we were close to 10 in the second in the first half at yeah uh, i think it was nine so much better okay. in the second much better on both teams it was more scoring on both teams in the second half and of course defense is effort and energy and there's usually more scoring in the second half where your energy zaps a little bit but you know you know i think the uh fans were all disappointed at the end of the game, but then when they go out on Saturday, and I watched the Duke game, um, I said that same defense they clamped on us. They did the same thing to the uh, Blue Devils. Uh, you know, one of the traditional basketball powers, uh, and really handled that game. Had that game in hand almost all the way. Um, maybe we would have been better off playing playing Duke. I don't know. I know that uh, it, it went right down to the last minute on Selection Sunday. Who was going to be four and who was going to be five on those two teams? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, um, 
your luck in the tournament is depending upon the matchup. And we talked last week when we were previewing the game. It wasn't really the best matchup for us because of the length, size, physicality of the Vols, and they sure showed it. You know, you know, Mike, uh, one of the things that I, I want to give a shout out to our defense for, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but Santiago Vescova. Vescovi. Uh, Vescovi. Okay. That, I knew I was pronouncing it wrong. Vescovi plays 20 min- 27 minutes against us, only has one three point basket, and he was lighting it up coming into the game. And he, and, and he banked, it's the one he banked in. It was a lucky yeah. shot. And then if you go back to, uh, or if you look ahead, he plays 38 minutes against Duke, scores 14 points. And I think, and was four for eight for three-point line. I know we're going to, everybody wants to look at the negatives, but this team, the Cajuns, played really good defense in this game. You know, there was some lack. There's moments of, you know, that they missed things. But at the same time, overall, this was a, Great defensive performance. Yeah. Uh, another guy they held in check who went off against Duke was Namwe, the guy from Finland. Uh, he only had eight points and five rebounds. He had done over 20 against Duke. He had 27 points in 22 minutes against uh, against Duke, where uh, against us, he you know, he played 20 minutes and he had eight points. You know, they had two scores, two scores with 11 and 12 points. Uh, they moved the, the, I mean, they got a pretty good, well-balanced scoring effort against the Cajun, but at the same time, we didn't let anybody take over the game the way Kobe Julian did in the second half or the last yeah. 10 minutes of the game. Yes. Speaking of that, you know, uh, Kobe and Jalen did a great job above the bench, but they were only guys to score. Greg and Cantrell didn't score. Uh, we needed one more guy to actually be able to make a couple of baskets and, and it could have gone our way. I, I know uh, they lost their point guard, but I really think the injury to Greg, uh, where he was not effective when he played, sort of balanced that out. It, yes. Yeah. Um, so, t- t- tough loss. Um, but, you know, when you look back on it and say, considering how they hard they played, uh, how good the defense was, and what type of team Tennessee showed they have when they played the next game, you know, you have to tip your hats to our guys. One thing you can't question. Our guys' is effort and hustle, they may not always play well, sometimes we play out of control like most basketball teams, but you can't question the effort, and I think that's part of the culture we have in the UL basketball program. Uh, uh, they had 18 turnovers. We scored 21 points off of those 18 turnovers, and off of our 14 turnovers, we only allowed them to score 12. Our team got back and was able to stop things. I, I really liked the way this team played. Uh, again, I, to me, it, it was lost the, the four and a half, 446 in the first half. But again, if you look at our bench, 26 points to 19, a lot of that was Kobe Julian, Jalen Dalk, or all that was Kobe Julian and, and, and Jalen Dalcor. But 24 points off the bench in the second half, that's what you need from your bench. The other one is uh, points in the paint. You talked about Tennessee's size. And, and I thought that was a huge factor, especially for the outside shooting, being able to in, in some of our passing zones. But points in the paint, we outscored them 28 to 24. You know, that's an amazing stat to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the free, free throw line getting there. And, you know, granted, they got to the line maybe five times in the last two minutes when we were following purposely. We almost got a couple of those steals 
right before we hit the foul. One more yes. guy to uh, recognize, even though you don't have the best shooting game, is the team is folks. 11 assists, double figure assists against one of the top SEC uh, defenses. So shout out to him for another good performance. I, I agree with you, Mike. 11 assists there. And uh, he, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I, I'd like to to go back and kind of look at his five turnovers. When did they come? I think they probably came in the first half when we were still adjusting to their size and their length. I could be wrong, but at the same time, great game by Themis. I don't want to look concentrate on the negative. 11 assists, great job by the young man. Yeah, yeah. we make one or two of those shots in the first half. And again, Vescovy's three is a bankman, which is, again, you miss it so bad you make it. And the last uh, dunk at the end and a half were all factors that went against us. You know, we're giving a lot of credit to the Cajuns here for their performance, but I'm going to give credit to the Vols, too. Exactly. You know, there's a reason they're one of the top defenses in the nation for so many turnovers. Um, and they showed it again on Saturday. And it'll be interesting to see how they do against Florida Atlantic, because one of the other top mid-majors in the country. Yep. Uh, I watched a little bit of Florida Atlantic's game. Uh, I think the, I would favor the Vols, but you never know. In basketball, anybody could beat anybody. Fairleigh Dixon got a lot of recognition for their, their win against the number one seed. You know, they didn't really – only reason they qualify for the state tournament is the team that won the conference tournament is ineligible because they're moving up from Division One. Fairy Dixon didn't even win their regular season, and they had a net above 300. And I don't want to take any credit away from them for their performance, but it's just the shows. In basketball, anybody can beat anybody today. It, it just, yeah, that's never been more true than, than today. So um, don't pay too much attention to how one game turns out. But now that it's over, we got uh, overall the season went great. What's your thoughts on the overall season? I, I enjoyed it. I thought there were there were uh, there were moments lack lack of uh, we'll say lack of concentration uh, it, it, during conference play when we would lose back to back games. I thought we lost the second game because we lost the first game. We let it stay in our head too long. Uh, if the Cajuns are to move forward. Uh, uh, in the future, I think that's uh, that's something we really need to focus on. But overall, I thought it was great. I, I, I the, the fact that I'll say the two of the four main guys that were on the floor uh, that are legacy players, uh, I think I, I think had a lot to do with that and had a lot to do with the heart. I think Jordan Brown has uh, grown up tremendously uh it's going to be interesting to see what he does as far as whether he stays for another year or if he leaves uh and i have to believe if it's the nba or something of that type that the young man's gone but uh other than that we may see him back in a cajun uniform and that's probably about a one percent chance but i'll take one percent it's better than zero yeah. you're right about the couple of those road games you know, the Coastal Carolina uh, followed by, was it, um, was it Old Dominion? Or, yeah, it was Old Dominion uh, back around the New Year's. No doubt the Coastal Carolina lost service. Um, again, that was Kobe's first game. Coaches were adjusting to that. I think that may be responsible. Uh, the lineup got shifted a little bit. But yeah, at the same time, in all of those games, I think other than Old Dominion, most of those second half losses, second game of the road trip losses we had the lead in the second half and the crowd of the opponent uh helped them that really wasn't the case in the uh postseason and i didn't think it would be uh our guys our, our fans in orlando did a great job from what our coaches say i have some friends that were there they enjoyed it uh, 
they didn't really appreciate the officiating at times. <laughs> um, not only on, on the officials, uh, you know, I, I think they called the foul on Jalen once when the um, guy obviously walked. Yeah. You know, but, you know, but, you know, it, that's going to happen. Um, my thoughts on the overall season, I said many times in this podcast where the guys were always prepared. They celebrate each other's successes. And when things went bad, they encouraged each other. Um, uh, another shout out to the pair group. People told me, well, what can parents do? Well, parents can actually support the coaching staff. And you, if you have situations where parents are always complaining, their kids don't play enough, things like that, that can be a detriment. We didn't have that. And all, uh, several of them were supporting the team and the program on social media all, all year long. Um, and they were always prepared. And gr- great job out for the coaching staff. And, and I want to mention that as we go forward. Are you ready to go on to what's the, what's next? Well, I just uh, quickly, uh, I just want to give a shout out, like you said, to the parents as well. Too many times parents can be in their, in the player's ear saying, hey, you should be starting. You should be better than this. My kid's better than this. That didn't happen this year. Uh, and, and if it did, it did not get in the player's heads. Because if you look, I think there's already 20 guys that are from Sunbelt teams that are already in the portal, none from Louisiana yet. We'll see how that goes as, as the, uh, the spring progresses, but yeah, you're right, Mike, this, this team, uh, I think in many ways is very special. So, but let's move on. Let's talk about, uh, what, what, uh, the coaching staff, I guess, and, and what, what, what lies ahead or just, well, co- yeah. What lies ahead with coach Morgan's contract ended. It's a formality. He's going to get a new one. We're not going to get into the specifics. I'm not a finance guy when that comes. Uh, no idea how, what the competition is going to be, how many years it's going to be, but it's it's coming and hopefully soon. I would say one thing I hope that happens in the new contract is that there's increased compensation for our staff. Everybody who follows athletics, and maybe the normal fan, don't realize that the assistant coaches and the staff do so much more than they're given credit for. So I want to take a minute to uh, recognize these guys and hope their compensations increase with the new uh, contracts. And that's Eric Zimmerman, who became the lead assistant in only a second year. Uh, Casey Perrin came from Alabama. Donna Casey Perrin came from Texas, excuse me. Donovan Cates came from Alabama. They had staff positions. This was their first true assistant coaching role. They did an outstanding job uh, all year in the scouting. Uh, you know, hopefully we can keep them. You know, with a successful season like this, I wouldn't be surprised if bigger schools try to poach him. Uh, it worked real well having Neil Harden move to director of scouting where he mentored those two guys when it came to scouting. Uh, you know, Oliver Houston deserves a lot of credit for being the strength coach. You know, we didn't have as many injuries in the past, but that's a lot of luck. But I, I heard a lot of guys from the, on the team say he was responsible for some of their success. Mike Murphy handled all the logistics again, as usual. And Cole Wakefield is the grad assistant who helped with the videos this year. So uh, kudos to all those guys. I'm sure you agree. I, absolutely, Mike. Uh, I think, uh, you know, in the past, uh, you don't know um, what a new coach can bring in, uh, even though his resume may be good sometimes. Um, how do you say this? Some, sometimes they can bring in something that's not working with the other coaches. So shout out to all those guys. I think it's awesome. And you saw it from the top assistant down to the managers that were constantly on social media trying to uh, uh, drill support for this team. So great team effort from the coaching staff, the managers, and one guy we didn't mention, uh, B.J. 
Duplantis. Oh, yeah, BJ Duplantis, the the trainer. Right. Oh, yeah. Thanks for reminding that. And you had to forget someone. That's all right. Uh, BJ's all those... forgettable guy. You know, he's really small. Yeah. He's only about five yeah. two and and weighs seventy five pounds. So you might yeah. forget about him. Yeah, hopefully, all these guys are uh, are recognized for their efforts this year. They deserve it. So that's it. That's the coaching staff. You know, and um, we'll ha- have that handled. I'm sure the next few days, few weeks. Of course, you mentioned earlier the Jordan Brown situation. I don't believe that Jordan will leave for another school. If he leaves ULMB to play professional ball, um, NBA, obviously. Uh, I suspect he'll go to one of these NBA tryout camps that they usually have uh, right around the time the playoffs begin, or late April. And they usually give these guys some, uh, I guess, suggestions. So should they go back to school? What should they work on? Uh, I'm sure G League's an option. The G League today is a little different than it used to be in that you can get called up uh, to the big big uh, club for 10 days or something like that, where money's pretty good if you do that. Or some of these guys sign what they call 45-day contracts, is where you can be on the uh, NBA team for 45 days and also on the G League team. Uh, and if once it gets to the end of the season, they have to decide if, if you're going to be on the uh, roster for the playoffs. But you can make pretty good money on that. So those are all options for Jordan. I don't know if he's interested in overseas. Uh, uh, as skilled as he is, he could probably make good money for a long time overseas, but I have no interest in, no idea if he's interested in going. So, so his decision is going to be pending, but it won't be anything. You know, it's going to depend on the NBA scouts tell him. And of course, recruiting. Uh, I don't think it matters if Jordan stays or come back. So I think the focus is going to be on a big man because we didn't sign any big men in the fall recruiting period. Uh, we signed two guards, one international, one from Mississippi. I'm sure they'll look for the portal. They'd love to get in the guy like uh, Terrence Lewis and doesn't necessarily have to be a, uh, a grad transfer. It could be somebody with time left. Uh, uh, I know uh, several of the Southland conference schools have had guys uh, enter the portal, you know, Northwestern lost their whole team because their coach is going to uh, Austin pay Texas A&M Corpus Christi's coaches uh, going to Western Kentucky. I would be, wouldn't be surprised if some of their guys are available and Will Ways now at McNeese, but some of their guys are in the portal. Will Ways already announced he's bringing some people in. A point of all that rambling discussion is there's going to be guys available in the portal. We already had a relationship with Terrence Lewis this, this, uh, the second before we brought him here. Who knows if we have a relationship like that with somebody else out there? It would not surprise me if we do. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, uh, we didn't – I don't know that we – you brought up that name, Terrence Lewis the second, and I, 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 we didn't talk about him a whole lot this podcast but at the same time i do want to say thank you to him as well because coming in for one season i thought uh, no one knew what we were getting with him quite on- honestly from his numbers at his previous stops so a great addition to the staff uh to the to the team you know if you look what guys were brought in last year terrence lewis the second uh themis folks themis folks thank you Themis Falks, those two people were instrumental. If we can find two more people, one to take the place of Lewis, one, it doesn't have to be a compliment, I think, to uh, Themis. It can be another position. I I think we're going to do well as long as we can bring somebody in or have one of the guys that redshirted or one of the guys uh, that's a freshman that didn't get much playing time come in and step up. So either way. It, it will be okay. Okay. That uh, leads me to the next point. I would try to wrap up my, my prediction uh, about what the lineup might look like next year. 
Okay. Uh, if you don't mind. No, go Here, for it. Here's my, my thought. Well, I think uh, the team is always going to start at point. Cantrell Garnett for two years in a row has played fine for half the season, sort of slumped at the end. He went a little further. He went, I guess he played okay for three quarters of the year this year. His, his last year was about half. I wonder if his uh, continual assignment to guard one of the other team's best play, best scorers maybe had him wear down a little bit. But I expect him to start again at the off guard. Uh, the way Kobe Julian played in the uh, tournament makes you think he'll be the starter and the small forward. And Kobe can play two at times, can play four at times. That need needs to get stronger. Uh, but I hope he can play 30 minutes a game. I, I'll, I have him penciled in as starter. I think Joe Charles is going to be the starter at the big forward, power forward. You know, it'll be his third year. It makes sense he'd be the starter. I actually think the guy who's going to start at center is Kyron Radliff, the guy who redshirted 6'8 from New Orleans. Uh, he played okay when he went to Puerto Rico. He'd only been with the team about 10 days. If you watch him in the pregame warmups, he's got as good a shot for a, a smooth, silky, uh, soft around the rim from the perimeter and even from three. I think he'll give us a big who can stretch the floor. Uh, how will he do on defense and rebounding? I'm not sure. But, you know, I think offensively he's going to be a big help. You know, we haven't had a guy who can shoot from the outside as a big, I guess, maybe since uh, Jaquina Gant could do it occasionally. This, this guy could be even better. So I think he'll be the starter at center. Unless, granted, unless, you know, someone more skilled comes in from the portal. As the backups, you know, we'll have Michael Thomas again as the backup to Demas. He needs to get stronger. And he's improved every year he's been here. So let's hope that continues. I don't know who's going to be the backup uh, two guard. Could be, you know, we got two two guys uh, signed. And we also have a commitment from a guy from Zachary. Uh, maybe one of those guys. Chancellor White, I think, is going to be the backup uh, to the Kobe at three. You know, he was the backup to Greg early in the year. And he lost his spot when Kobe played. So hopefully he makes another step up. And he can also play big guard at times, too. So you might see him in there. You know, that's uh, the, the he might be playing the two spot a lot. He's stalling and he does the quickest a little bit. You know, he was an outstanding player in high school. He needs to make the jump up. A lot of people make the jump when they go from their freshman to sophomore year in college. The uh, backup uh, big forward, I don't know who that's going to be. Probably a transfer portal guy and maybe someone that, you know, who knows? Maybe they get someone really skilled. And Joe can go back to his role of being a really good guy coming off the bench at, at uh, defensively. And uh, Richards, I think, will be the backup uh, big again. So that's the team I see for it for next year. Thank you, Mike. Uh, that, that, that's good. Um, trying to think if we have anything on our list that we were going to talk about before we wrap this up. Do you have anything else? Uh, I think that's it. No, I don't think. Uh, oh, we just want to mention that, you know, we, we may come back uh, maybe in a month or so or late, you know, see when the contract for the coaches is wrapped up, uh, see, see if anybody leaves and, um, well, we, we can, uh, and we can, isn't there another signing day in April? Yes. When I mentioned the portal guys, I don't think you can sign a guy on the portal until that signing date. I'm not sure, but the signing date in April, I think is uh, the second Wednesday. It's unlike the fall signing period. It actually lasts a week. This lasts over a month, I believe. And I, you gave me on that. You, know, you can sign people until they enroll in school come August. Darius Lewis didn't sign until, well, well, he was a grad transfer. He had to graduate from Jackson State, you know, so we didn't bring him in until August. But the traditional period of uh, bringing people in is going to be uh, mid-April to mid-May, basically. Okay. Well, let's come back after the signing period. Maybe we can dig a little deeper into the recruiting side of it. And then if something pops up in the summer, 
will absolutely get together and talk, even if it's five or 10 minutes. Uh, I'm sure people would appreciate what's going on in Cajun basketball. Exciting year for the Cajuns. Uh, just unbelievable. And before we sign off and before I, well, I'll ask you any last thoughts on the season or anything that you want to talk about before we sign off. Just very proud of the program. Happy that I was able to do this and help promote the program this year. Um, I had some reservations when you asked me, do I really want to do this? Am I skilled, qualified? And you mentioned to me, it's just talking, it's just two guys talking about sports that we let the world listen in. So uh, fortunate that it was such a special year, the first year we do it. Let's hope it continues. Absolutely. Uh, before I say thank you to you, though, Mike, I want to. I just want to say thank you to uh, our seniors and our possibly uh, going the the junior that may be leaving the team, but Jalen Dowcourt, Greg Williams Jr., Terrence uh, Lewis the second, and Jordan Brown. Greg Williams, I uh, I hope you. Uh, I loved watching you play this year. Your explosion coming to the basket and everything. I hope your foot heals, and I think you will make a lot of money going overseas or playing basketball somewhere. I truly believe that. And Terrence Lewis, you've got a special skill, a little knack of being where the ball is. Thank you so much. Uh, Jalen Dalcourt, explosion coming in when when you're hitting your three-point shots. Good luck with your future as well. So fun year, Mike. Thank you so much uh, for your time and your energy brought to this. Uh, I think it was a benefit to the podcast. Well, I also think Jalen's going to make a little money playing overseas. He may not be right away. Uh, he took John in the stove a few couple of years to get his opportunity, and he's doing well, I think, in Finland. I think Jalen has enough uh, explosive uh, offensive ability off the bench he can do it too. And, again, thank you. Thank you, and it was a pleasure to promote the program. Really, that's really what we're trying to do is educate the fans about what's going on with the basketball program and promote the program. Hopefully, we're able to do that this year. Absolutely. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking basketball, Raging Cajun basketball with Mike Bear. Thanks for listening and hope to hit back soon with some basketball news. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited except Ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.